Good morning. Welcome here. Um, I'm excited to open God's Word with you this morning. I'm going to start with a, a quick little story. Um, when I was in high school, uh, I used to help lead uh, a worship team at our church, uh, um, a youth worship team. And uh, I think when I was in grade 10, um, I, I don't know about you guys, but um, at this point in my life, getting up in front of people, um, especially large groups of people, was pretty scary. Um, and uh, the night before I would lead worship with our team was always a terrible night of sleep for me. And I would lay awake in my bed imagining all of the terrible things that could go wrong. Um, and then often, you know, when you do finally fall into a fitful sleep, you know, you have those dreams where those things do go wrong. Um, and, and it's just kind of this, this bad um, way to go into your, your, your Sunday morning. Um, and I remember this one, uh, this one Sunday I was leading, the Saturday night was an awful night. I'd hardly slept, and it was one of those nights where I just worried about um, all the things that could go wrong, potentially. And uh, that morning, I got to church, and we were in the middle of our set, and I was supposed to count in the band and start the song, and so I counted us in, and we all came in together, and it just sounded horrible. And I, I was, as we were playing, we kept going for a little bit, and I was trying to figure out, what, okay, what is, what's the problem here? And I looked down at my guitar, and I realized I had started in the wrong key. I was supposed to have my capo on my guitar, but I didn't, and I was in a completely different key than everybody else. And my, one of my worst fears was realized, right? I was so embarrassed. And so we just stopped the song, and I had my mic, and I was like, so I just started that in the wrong key, and... Um, I know it sounded horrible, but we're going to try it again. Um, and, uh, and then we carried on. And the funny thing was, I felt so embarrassed about doing that. But after, you know, Sunday was over, I looked back, and my, my worst fear had been realized in that moment. And I looked back, and I was like, that wasn't actually that bad. <laughs> like, it, it was a little embarrassing. But if that's like one of the worst things that I was imagining happening and all we did was just stop and start again, it, it really wasn't that bad. And actually, from, from that point on, I was way less worried about leading worship in front of, of the church, because like, I've already screwed up. It doesn't, doesn't even matter anymore. Um, it's, it's not nearly as bad as I, I had made it out to be. And, and sometimes that's what happens with worry, right? Most of the time, the things that we worry about, most of them don't actually ever even happen. Um, and oftentimes, if they do, they're not nearly as bad as we've made them out to be in our heads beforehand, right? Um, last week, Pastor Alvin, um, he preached on, on this passage that comes right before where Jesus is talking about um, our treasure and where our heart is and the things that we invest and pour our life into um, and what we value. And, and, and the passage that we're jumping into today, it, it, it connects really closely with that passage, and, and it's really tied together. So we're just going to like keep going from there. So um, if you have your Bibles, um, open them up. We're, we're going to be reading through, um, it's the very end of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, um, we're starting at verse 25. Um, so I have it up here as well, if you don't have your Bible. Um, but if you do, follow along um, with me in your Bible. This is what Jesus said. 
Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So in this passage, we see Jesus um, being pretty straightforward in his approach here. Don't worry. Don't do this. It's not good for you. Um, and, and the things that he basically talks about is he says, your life and, and what you're going to eat or drink and, and your body, clothes, what are you going to wear? He's talking about necessities, right? Um, these are things that we need every day. And, and I was thinking, um, in our context today, what are some of the things that we worry about the most in our life? And, and I, I looked up some surveys that people had done to see, you know, consistently what do people worry about and 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 you know what there there is no end to the amount of things that we can worry about we find a way to worry about anything right um but there's there's a few things that kind of um come up over and over and it seems like most people struggle with worrying about these things to some degree one of them is is money and financial security right people worry about paying their bills or or finding a new job or living month to month or am i saving enough or or, or whatever um, money and, and financial security is a big one. Um, people worry about relationships a lot, right? Um, you think about friends, you know? Well, my, do my friends li- like, like me? Do I have enough friends? Um, or, you, or you worry about, um, will I ever find a spouse? Um, or or if, when you do find a spouse, does my spouse still love me? Do they still find me attractive? Um, am I doing a good job of parenting? Like all these things relationally, right? Um, people worry about. And the third one that came up a lot was health and safety. Um, people worry about aging and losing the ability to do the physical things that they used to be able to do. Or they worry about the health and safety of other people in their life, right? Um, somebody gets sick or you're worried about somebody getting sick. Um, there's a lot of things to worry about. Um, and Jesus' approach in this passage is, is very straightforward. Don't worry. Don't do this. But it's not quite as simple as that. Thankfully, Jesus, um, he actually gives us some, some reasons why. Um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to look at four of the reasons. Maybe you could find more if you look really closely. Um, but these are four reasons that when I look at this passage, Jesus says that we should avoid worry. So... The first one is this. It doesn't accomplish anything good, right? He says, who of you can add an hour to your life by worrying? You can't, 
right? It doesn't accomplish, originally I had written, it doesn't accomplish anything, but that's not quite true. Um, I added the word good because a situation can be bad and we can worry about it and we can make it worse, right? Worry can accomplish things, but it can't accomplish anything good, right? Um, second thing we learn from Jesus in uh, verse 26 and verse 30 is that you are God's most valuable creation. He says this over again. Look at the birds of the air and look at the lilies. Look how they grow and look how they're clothed by God. And why do you worry? Because you are so much more valuable than they. Don't worry because you are God's most valuable creation. He cares about you. The third reason that I see Jesus says not to worry, he said, this is how the people who don't know God live. He says, this is, um, this is what the pagans run after. They run after these things and they worry about this stuff because they don't know that they have a heavenly father. Right? So don't worry because that's how people who don't know God live their lives. Right? And then the last thing that I see is he already knows what you need. He's aware of your life. Don't worry because God already knows what you need. Right? So Jesus says... Very straightforward, don't worry. But he gives us reasons why. It doesn't accomplish anything, don't worry. Don't worry, you are God's most valuable creation. Don't worry, this is how people who don't know God live. Don't go that way. And don't worry because he already knows what you need. He cares, he loves you, he's aware of your life. And the reality is, is this on its own is a, is a pretty good sermon. Um, I, I don't think I really have to add anything to what Jesus said. We could just read those again and call it a day. Um, but I have time to fill, so I guess I, I have to keep going. Um, no, but we, I, think, I think if we dive into these a little bit more, we can understand um, the heart of what's going on here, and Jesus is saying something actually really, really big here, um, and I, I don't think we want to miss it, because we learn something extremely important about worry, and that's worry, worry is bigger than just our thoughts, right? If you remember... Uh, last week, the passage that Alvin read, Jesus said this statement, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Right? And there's this really interesting line in, in the passage we're going through where Jesus says, for the pagans run after these things. It's really interesting that he says it that way, right? He doesn't say, for the pagans worry about these things. He says they, they run after them. They make their life about them. They chase these things. Um, those have become their priorities, right? And I think what Jesus is showing us here is that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But also what you worry about reveals where your treasure is. The things that you worry about the most show you what is most valuable to you in your life. Um, and oftentimes when it comes to worry, it shows us things that, temporarily take the place that God should be in in our life. They become so important, right? It's really interesting when he says the pagans run after these things, right? He's saying that these people, they don't yet understand that they have a heavenly father who loves them, right? And, and the truth is, if, if you don't know God, worrying about these things, worrying about food and clothing and, and necessities, it makes sense, right? It makes common sense, like it's, it's, yeah, I get that. Um, but the thing that Jesus wants us to understand 
like he's talked about this whole sermon, is that his kingdom is this upside down kingdom. And he wants the people in his kingdom to look differently than the people in the world. And that the people in his kingdom shouldn't be characterized by worry. And if you take a step back from that, the people in God's kingdom shouldn't be characterized or, or shouldn't be spending their life running after the same things that the people who don't know God are running after. Right? We should be shining examples of the opposite, actually. So there's a story I'm going to read to you. I don't have it up here, but I'm just going to read it to you. Um, it's really short. You can listen to it. I think it's such a good example um, of this and practically. So this is, is in Luke chapter 10. Um, it says this, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and she asked him, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. This story is so interesting to me because Mary, it says, it's, it says Mary is the one whose home it is, and Mary is the one who invites Jesus in, right? And that means if she invited Jesus in, that means she invited all of his disciples in, right? And probably everybody else who was following Jesus too because there was a lot more people following Jesus than just his 12 disciples, right? So she is being generous, right? She opens up her home and invites Jesus and all these people into her home. And then she's worried about the preparations, right? She's probably thinking to herself, okay, these people need to eat. These people are gonna have to sleep somewhere. They're all gonna have to crowd in somewhere in my house, right? There's all these things that are legitimate concerns. And she's like wrestling with them. And she sees her sister just sitting there listening to Jesus. And she's upset because she's worried about all these other things going on. And Jesus, he doesn't condemn her. I just, I love the way Jesus talks. He says, you're upset about so many things going on. You're worried about all these things. But you missed out on the best thing. These aren't bad things. They're important things. Somebody has to think about them, right? Somebody's gonna have to deal with the food. Somebody's gonna have to deal with where they're sleeping and all these things. Um, but Martha just had her priorities a little bit wrong and she missed out on the best thing. She was so focused on good things, but she missed out on the best thing. And that was just being near Jesus, listening to him, right? And sometimes those good things, we spiritualize them and we make it okay to worry about those things, right? Especially if, if we can find a way to spiritualize them. So in, uh, in his commentary on the Sermon on the Mount, a guy named D.A. Carson, he, um, he talks about how worry can become extremely dangerous. And the way he words it is when we marry legitimate concern with self-centered worry put them together, um, and he gives this example of a preacher preparing a sermon for Sunday. And he's worried 
about his sermon because he wants it to have impact, he wants it to be pointed, and he wants it to be anointed by God's Spirit, right? And so he's worried, he's concerned about his sermon. But also, there's this underlying heart behind it as well, that he's worried about his sermon because he wants to be seen as intelligent and thoughtful and uh, talented, and he wants his sermon to have a good benefit for his reputation. Worry can become so dangerous when, when it takes a legitimate concern and hides selfishness behind it. Right? And worry often does that, right? You could say the same of a parent, maybe a parent who's upset with their kid who's been acting rebellious lately, right? And they're frustrated because maybe they have a good desire that their kid would follow Jesus and walk in obedience to Jesus. But also maybe hidden behind that is this worry that other people are seeing their kid's behavior and are judging them and their parenting and looking at them and it has a negative view on their reputation, Right? Worry does this. Um, it, it, uh, it tries to hide behind things that are, are worthy of concern. And that is where it can get really messy. So, um, you know, the first story I told of, of just like um, leading worship and the night before just worrying and imagining everything that could go wrong, um, that was all about me and how people viewed me. But concern is different than worry. Right? And, and here's a story to, uh, uh, a story to help us understand concern. So growing up, we heated our house with wood. We had a wood stove in our basement. And we, we kept all our chopped wood in the garage. And one day, I think I was in maybe grade nine or 10, my dad and I were hauling wood in through the basement. And so we're up in the basement and there's stairs that go down into our house. And we have the wood stacked up beside the stairs. And um, my dad has filled his arms and he's going down the stairs and I'm loading up my load. And my dad drops a piece of wood at the bottom of the stairs and he bends over to pick up this piece of wood. And while he does that, I'm reaching to the top of the, the pile of wood and I grab this piece, but it slips out of my hand and it falls backwards and down. And as my dad is bent over, it smacks him on the back of the head and he falls face first, unconscious on the ground. And I saw this, and I run down the stairs, and I'm like shaking my dad, and he is unconscious, and I'm like, I just killed my dad. <laughs> I genuinely thought I had killed my dad. And I was like screaming to my mom, like, Mom, I killed dad! Get down here! And I, I was very, very concerned in that moment. Um, and you know, thankfully, after like 30 seconds, my dad woke up, and he was fine. He just had a headache for like a week. Um, but there's a difference between concern and worry, right? And worry makes things about us. It always comes back to us, right? And, and, and here's the deal. Concern, and this is actually worth saying, concern and pressure in life, these are important things. Because I would consider myself to be the kind of person, just my personality, worry is not a massive issue in my life. Just because of the way my personality is, it's not like something I am constantly wrestling with. There are definitely seasons in my life when I worry more. Um, but it seems like personality affects that a lot. But I wanna say this, concern and pressure in life, these are actually really important things. 
And I think a lot of the times when I was growing up and I said, oh, I don't really struggle with worry, a lot of it wasn't because I was super full of faith. It was because I actually just didn't care about a lot of stuff. And I was just focused on myself, and I'm like, oh, if I don't really invest in that, I'm not going to really worry about it, right? And I think sometimes we, we can spiritualize that. So I, I, I say that to those of you who are feeling like, oh, this worry sermon's for everybody, all those, all those people that are so worried about everything going on in their life, and, and I'm just like, it doesn't affect me, it's not for me. You might be, and I'm not saying you are, but you might be a little bit less spiritual than you think. It might be that you don't like investing, in things because sometimes when you do invest in things, it's hard not to worry about them, right? But here's why this is really cool. At the end of this passage, Jesus points us in a different direction, right? Away from self, um, and he says this, but seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. You know, he says, Instead of focusing on yourself, instead of having your eyes on you, take your eyes off yourself, look at God's kingdom, and pursue that. Because it's actually in those moments when you stop worrying about your physical stuff and you focus on God and what he has for you, that all that physical stuff, he can deal with anyways. It's easy for him, right? And, and what's really cool, that word seek actually um, is this present imperative word, and, and it just means, we, we, we translate it, it's hard to translate it in English, but it's, it's keep seeking. Don't stop seeking. It's not just like a seek God's kingdom once, but keep seeking. This is like pursue God's kingdom and his righteousness. Make your life about this. And he adds you know, that word righteousness too, which I think is really pointed and important for us because sometimes when we think about God's kingdom, we imagine this, this really big, um, distant kind of idea, um, God's kingdom. But he adds this righteousness piece because he's like, you know what, God's kingdom is not meant to be thought about far away or distant from you, but it's actually this personal thing. Um, it actually matters your personal life what you do in your life is part of God's kingdom. And that's what he talks about in, in this whole sermon, right? If you think back, you know, and we think about seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness, what that means in context of this sermon is Jesus says, you know what? <laughs> it, it matters how you deal with your anger. It matters how you treat your spouse, right? It matters what you say, it matters how you treat your enemies, it matters how you give to the poor, it matters how you pray, all these things are a part of God's kingdom, right? And not just in this big way, but in this personal, intimate way. Because where God's people are, that's where God's kingdom is. Um, and here's a really cool thing to remember. When, when God does this miracle, of changing people's hearts and beginning to change their lives. And I use the, the word miracle very pointedly because I think it's a miracle when God changes people's hearts and turns their lives around. When he does miracles like that, taking care of our physical needs, that's easy, that's little stuff compared to what he does in our hearts, right? The reality is that when worry takes over our hearts and our minds, it means that we've taken our eyes off of God's kingdom. 
we've prioritized something else. Because um, the reality is, is this, if we actually believe that God is who he says he is, we, we shouldn't have a reason to worry, right? Even in the most difficult circumstances, if God is who he says he is, we have no reason to worry. So my question for you is what are the things in your life or the thing in your life that you are most tempted to worry about? What are the things that just keep coming up that is hard for you to let go of? As you think about that, I want to tell a story. In high school, actually all through junior high and high school, I played basketball and I loved basketball. And I was pretty athletic and I caught on pretty quickly um, and I could run fast and it was a sport that I could be really good at um, pretty quickly, and I enjoyed it, and I loved it. When I got to high school, I tried out for the senior team in grade 10, and I made the team, um, but as I was looking around at the team, I realized that there was a pretty big disparity between myself and the other guys on the team. Now, athletically, I was probably ath more athletic than most of them, um, and, and I was faster than most of them, um, but there was this big disparity because I couldn't shoot the basketball with consistency. I couldn't do it. Even in practice, I just, I could not consistently get the ball to go in the basket. It was just really hit or miss. Sometimes it would be perfect swish, and sometimes it would be a huge air ball. I was so inconsistent, and it frustrated me so much. And I kind of was like, I guess this is just the kind of player I am. I'm not a good shooter. And I had a, I had a really good coach who came, um, came up to me one practice and this practice was huge for me because he came up to me and he said, Kenton, what are you aiming at? And I was like, the basket, obviously. Um, he's like, yeah, but where? Like, what are you aiming at on the basket? I was like, just the basket. I'm just looking at the basket. And he said, so it's, so it's maybe different every time you shoot the ball? I'm like, oh, I... I don't know, I guess I've never thought about it like that. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that my approach to shooting the basketball was looking at the basket and then throwing the ball in the general direction of the basket, hoping that it would go in. But I had no consistency even in what I was aiming at, right? And in that practice, my coach was like, all right, let's figure this out. Where are you going to aim every time you shoot the basketball? And so I developed this skill of aiming at the basket, which sounds really silly, right? But now when I shoot the ball, I look at the front of the rim. No matter where I am on the court, I look at the front of the rim, and I visualize pushing the ball over the front of that rim, right? And, and that was absolutely revolutionary for my game. And it sounds like the most, like it sounds dumb to say that. Like I had to learn how to shoot the basketball. I had to learn to aim. Um, but the reality is, is that it's something that I never even thought of. I was just playing aimlessly, throwing up shots generally in, in a direction, hoping they would go in. And, and the reality is, I tell this story because it doesn't sound like it has a lot to do with worry, but this is often how we approach sin in our life. And I think specifically here with worry. Um, I, I hear so much with worry. It's just like, well, I'm struggling with worry, so I'm just going to, just try not to worry this week. I'm going to try to let it go. I'm going to try and 
just not worry, right? And then you have the people who, you know, don't struggle with worry, and, and they're like, just stop worrying, as if that has ever helped anyone. Um, but I mean, imagine if you showed up to Conquer series with this added, like, or with, with, with a, a struggle with lust, right? You showed up to Conquer series, and you get there, and Pastor Wayne's like, all right, actually, it's really simple. All you have to do, go back home and, and stop lusting, right? It's, if it was that simple, we wouldn't have a problem, right? But the reality is, in Conquer series, they come up with a battle plan. They come up with this plan of what are we going to do to fight against sin in our life? And that is huge, and that is so important when it comes to worry, because worry is one of these things, and it, it actually is, is similar to lust in, in, in this way that wherever you go in life, you're always bombarded by things to worry about. It's everywhere, right? And, and, and if we have this attitude of like, I'm just going to try not to worry, or I hope I don't worry this week. I'll just try and let it go. If that's our attitude, that's aimless. That's like me shooting the basketball, not aiming. If we want to get over this, if we want to work to give up our worry and anxiety, then we need a game plan. We need to actually have something that we're aiming at. Um, because if we don't, we're just, we're just living aimlessly, hoping that sin will disappear because we want it to, um, which just doesn't work. John Owen you know, famously said, um, and you might, you might know this, this, um, this phrase, he said, be killing sin or, does anybody know? Nice, yeah. Be killing sin or sin will be killing you. I love this picture, and I, I'm guessing that he got it from the Apostle Paul. In Romans 8, Paul said, if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So my question for you is this. When it comes to worry, what is your game plan? What are you aiming at? What, what is your game plan to deal with it? And maybe this isn't something you've thought about before. That's okay. Or maybe it is and you just, you just don't know where to start. What I want to do, I realize this for myself. When it comes to worry, I don't really have a game plan. And often as I looked back at my life this week, I was like, and you know what? In the seasons where I am tempted to worry the most, that is kind of my approach. I just, well, it's just a season and it'll stop. And, and, uh, and that's not helpful. That's just living aimlessly I'm hoping that things are going to change. And so I came up with a little game plan for myself. And I want to share it with you. And um, maybe what you can do is if you have a game plan already, then that's awesome. Um, if you don't, maybe you want to take some of these ideas for yourself. Maybe these uh, could benefit you as you fight against the worry. So I call this game plan fighting worry with faith. Um, and so I, I wrote down four things. And I, I'll put some scripture with them so that... that um, you can understand, I didn't just make them up. <laughs> um, but the first one is this. Preach the gospel to yourself. When you are tempted to worry, remind yourself of the gospel. Colossians 2.7, Paul said, let your roots grow down into Jesus and let your lives be built up on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. I don't know what this maybe looks like for you when you're worried, 
preaching the gospel to yourself. Maybe it looks like opening up your Bible and reminding yourself what scripture says. Maybe it looks like putting on a worship song that's full of truth about who God is and who we are. Maybe it's listening to a sermon or podcasts or, or whatever. But find a way when you're tempted to worry to preach the gospel to yourself. Remind yourself the gospel. Grows our faith, right? The second thing I wrote down for myself was pray. This one's super simple, okay? And, and this verse you've all heard before. Philippians 4, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he's done. Then, this is a promise, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Pray as you're tempted to worry. Talk to your heavenly father. Confess your worry to him. Pray for peace. Pray for the situation you're worried about. And be thankful. I don't know if you noticed, but thankfulness came up in both of the last two verses. There's something important there. The third one. Talk to a friend who loves Jesus. Tell them about what you're worried about. We're not meant to live this life alone. Galatians 6, Paul said, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Christ's will for us is that we walk together and carry each other's burdens. So when you're tempted to worry, talk to a friend. And I say a friend who loves Jesus because talk to a friend who will remind you of the gospel, like we talked about first there, and will point you to Jesus. And one that will pray for you. And then this last one, I wrote serve. And this maybe is weird to you because what does that have to do with worry? But I think worry happens consistently when our eyes are on ourselves. We are most tempted to worry when we're just looking at ourselves. And I think one of the things that helps us more than anything else take our eyes off ourselves is serving other people. And Jesus actually said, he told his disciples, anyone who wants to be first in my kingdom, he's talking about, must be the very last and a servant to everyone. Find a way to take your eyes off yourself. Do something for others. Serve, right? Do something kind for your neighbor or somebody who lives in town. Get involved in a church ministry. Get involved in the community. Serve in some way where you're doing something that's for others and not for yourself. These, these are just four ideas I wrote down as my game plan. And I wrote them down and printed them off. I'm going to have them in my Bible with me now as a reminder. When I'm worried, this is my game plan. I'm not going to fight this aimlessly. I'm going to go at it with intention knowing that God has put his spirit in me and he's given me power to fight against this sin. Right? Jesus wants those in his kingdom to look different, right? It's this upside down kingdom. He doesn't want us to look exactly the same as the world. He wants us to show the world his righteousness. Um, he wants us to show the world a faith that's not focused on controlling the future, um, but, but rather a faith that's at peace with the present. And to be that kind of people, we need to be growing in our faith. And we need to go at it with intention. What are the things that you struggle to worry about the most? And what is your game plan to fight against those things? Let's pray. God, thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. And that your spirit is at work. 
um, here and now working in us, God, but also even as we leave, your spirit is at work giving us the strength to move forward, to fight against the worry and the, the stuff in our life that, that it tempts us to take your place. And so I pray for myself and for all of us, Lord, that we would take our eyes off ourselves and fix them on you, that we would seek your kingdom above everything and your righteousness um, and let you deal with the rest. Um, praise you, God, that you're at work and you're good and that we can put our faith and our trust in you and that you're a good heavenly father and because you're a good heavenly father, we don't have to worry. Help us to walk in freedom and in peace. For your glory, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We trust you have been encouraged and challenged in your faith journey. If you're desiring prayer, want more information on our church, want to partner with us or be involved in any way, please go to our website at mountoliveefc.com. We'll see you next time.